All right. In today's episode, you're going to get a two for one, and we're going to dive into a deep and meaty topic. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So I decided to do a little bit of an audible here and I did a little pivot. I I just recently had the opportunity of being on a podcast, um, two podcasts, and they were both of shorter nature and, you know, that's fantastic. Sometimes people consume their content in shorter form and, you know, we can dive into deep into just one topic and just keep it really, really tight, really focused. The interesting thing was, was these two podcasts that I jumped onto, um, we talked about the same topic pretty much and um, shared each of them a little bit different, went into a little bit more detail in each of them. So what I decided to do for this podcast, for my podcast, was I'm going to bring them both out on the same episode and they're of similar themes, but there's a lot of information and detail to dive into. So you're going to thoroughly love this one. And this one um, had the great opportunity of talking to two amazing real estate investor. The first one you're going to hear from is Victor Manash out of Ottawa, who has, um, what is, I think his podcast is The Morning Espresso. And I think he's like 1100 episodes. He, he literally does an episode every single day. It's phenomenal. He's just a content producing machine and deep and just amazing content that he produces. And he's a fantastic uh, real estate investor. We were talking about some of his, um, his uh, projects that he's doing, um, I'm gonna. We made a commitment that he's gonna come out on my podcast as well. We're gonna share some of the insights and some of the things that he's doing. He does some wonderful things throughout North America, but he's based out of Ottawa. And then the other one you're gonna hear from the second part of today's episode. You know, breaking up, broken up in the middle with our good strategic friends from Streetwise Mortgages, talking about the single family versus multifamily differences in financing. The second person you hear is from James Canal. And James is doing a wonderful things. He's moved out to, to Vancouver here as well now. And he's, you know, about to get married in the next little while. And But he's a, a serious investor investing in Western Canada. And we had a chance to talk about, you know, with all the people coming into Canada, all the in-migration, how are we as real estate entrepreneurs, how are we going to solve this? And, you know, here's the thing. I, I wish I could just wave a magic wand and in, in a, you know, 47-minute podcast, I could give you all the answers on how to solve it. But here's, here's the thing. I think entrepreneurs, real estate investing entrepreneurs, this is a, this is a challenge. This is a challenge to overcome. And I think I've used this analogy in this episode a couple times is – you know, the definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who solves problems. Gang, if you can really lean into this, if you can lean into the challenge that Canada is facing right now of having an extremely high demand for housing and a very low supply of housing, I think there is an opportunity here, everybody. Now, I know for a fact I'm going all in to adding some good quality inventory to the marketplace to add some good quality rental housing 
in the marketplace, to add some good quality properties to sell to the marketplace. I'm, you know, I'm just doing my part. I'm on a smaller scale basis. There's big, giant, large developers and things like that. I'm looking to tap into that. And I think Victor and I, and I think Victor is the one that coined this phrase. I heard it from him in this episode to hear it. It's called that missing middle, that missing middle developer that um, you're not buying single family onesies and twosies and you're not doing big giant developments, the the mill cores, the, the lead cores, the Brad Lambs and the big giant towers, you're you're filling the middle in between. The ones that you're taking something where there was one, an underutilized housing, you're maybe taking a house, putting a suite into it, and then a garden suite. Now you have three. You now have three units where there was once one. Now, when I'm looking at the places I'm doing in Edmonton, we're taking one and we're adding at least three, three, four, five, you know, six in some cases. And one plan we've just looked at, we potentially can get up to nine if we can get it approved through city council. So if you take a land position where you have one and you add nine to it, you know, obviously the numbers have to make sense and they have to work out and all that kind of stuff, but you're adding significant value and you're solving a big problem. Okay, gang, um, lots of detail we're going to go to in this episode. Make sure you also stick around to the very end. I have a uh, question that I'd love to ask you as well. Okay, with all that being said, please help me welcome Victor Menage and James Canal. Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menage. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia. Welcome to the show, my good friend, Russell Westcott. Hey, Victor, how's it going? And you know what? I, I'm sitting there just kind of looking over both shoulders and you said great guest. I'm going, geez, I'm excited. Who you got on today? And Oh, wait, it's me. <laughs> So, so <laughs> this is this here. is first of all this is take two you know wonderful technology here uh, sometimes don't you love technology when it works right <laughs> absolutely well it's great to have you here it's been far too long and we're going to talk about the housing crisis here in Canada and how it's going to get solved but before we do I know you've been a guest on the show before maybe give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey for the folks who have not met you well, when when you say housing crisis, do we need to have some dun 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 music after that or something, right? So, <laughs> um, so first of all, Victor, I wanted to just thank you. I want to thank you for for being a um, thank you for the opportunity to to share, and also want to thank you for being a very inspiring investor. What you're doing and the projects you're involved in, and you still keep giving back to the community and everything that you're doing in Ottawa and the and the you know multi multi million dollar projects you're doing. You're 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 very inspiring and you're you're somebody in my books who does it the right way. You come at it from a part of serving, you come at a part from value add, you come at it from a part from helping others and you're continually giving back. Like honest to goodness, I don't know how you do it, my friend. Like how do you do these all these projects plus, you know, you coach and you help and you're a leader of a community and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, man, you, you Tight, tights and cape and Superman is probably an S underneath your chest, if you will, right? So, <laughs> Well, thanks for the kind words. Uh, it is absolutely a journey and putting together a really strong team is, is key to that for sure. Yep. Uh, so we have an amazing, amazing team with an amazing culture and, and that really makes all the difference. Absolutely. Yep. So, 
Yeah, so great to have you here. Yeah. Um, maybe... And I wasn't trying to deflect your question. No, no, <laughs> no, was, no, not it, at all. Not it's at all. one of those ones is one of the hardest questions to answer is for us humble Canadians is, so tell me about yourself a little bit. It's just like, no, let me tell, let me talk about you instead. <laughs> right? um, my, my story is, you know, I, I often say my story is, is, is nothing special. Really, it isn't. I, I grew up in small town Saskatchewan, grew up in a mobile home park and, you know, had wonderful parents and played hockey in the winter, you know, 10 months of winter and played uh, baseball and golfed in the summer and, you know, just had very simple lifestyle. And, you know, not until I graduated university and decided the path I wanted to go. And there was really nothing for me in Saskatchewan anymore. There was nothing for, you know, there was an entire decade, like a lost decade of people out of Saskatchewan because there was nothing for us. There was nothing for us. So you went to school, you got a degree or something, either you went back home to work on the farm or at the potash mine, or you just moved over to Calgary and you left. And I, you know, got a degree in a Bachelor of Commerce with a finance marketing general business degree. And then I moved on to working with a packaged food company, Kraft Foods, and learned some skill sets on how to sell and all that kind of stuff. And then started climbing the corporate ladder. And it wasn't until, you know, the year 2000, the turn of the century, that I had one of those moments about, you know, geez, Russ, what am I going to do with my life when I grow up, right? And I, I saw Robert Kiyosaki on Oprah. And that little purple book of Rich Dad, Poor Dad changed my life. It took me down a different trajectory. I got excited about real estate, even though I'd never bought a property in my life. And then from there, you know, it was, you know, long story short, is the rest is history. And I just dove hook, line and sinker into real estate right since the year 2000. And what has it been, you know, it's coming on 25 years uh, of doing this. And it feels honestly like it's been five years or less. And and I just learned so much. I've made every mistake in the book. I've stepped on every landmine and I just keep learning and just keep on, you know, keep on chugging away and just keep on helping people along the way. And also just keep on buying properties and building out my portfolio and just learn from the mistakes I've made. So I guess that's the simplest answer to that question. Well, I love that. And there's no prescribed pathway into this industry at all, is there? It's really... It's just mapping your own journey and figuring out what works and, and all of that. So here we are. We find ourselves today partway through 2023 with changing landscape, changing landscape in the lending environment, changing landscape in supply demand, inflation, interest rates, all of these things. But one of the things that we experience uniquely here in Canada is an acute supply demand imbalance. And it's driven largely by immigration, where the numbers are far in excess of the numbers that you read about in the census data, to the point where it's not just a question, <clears throat> to the point where it's not just a question of prices going up, it's a question of availability at any cost. And that means that there is acute need for development. And with rising construction costs, that too is challenging, especially in a high interest rate environment. What's your, what are you seeing in the marketplace? Where are you focusing? What's your strategy? Well, that's, that's a, you know, that's, that's a, a four hour, four part series over four weeks conversation to really dive into it. Absolutely. But, but um, here, here's, here's my quick hot take on it for number one is for, for the, a country with the second largest landmass in the world to have a housing 
short supply shortage is in my opinion there's th- that 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 dog don't hunt right something is something is amiss with that and, and really it, it it comes down to in my personal opinion it comes down to left hand and right hand don't know what each other are talking about meaning the federal level of the policies they're putting in place with me bringing people in like i i agree that is the right strategy too because our birth rates aren't keeping up we should be bringing immigration in and bringing immigration in but then the the federals are not talking to the provincials which are not talking to the municipal to get right down to what is the housing like what is the housing requirements what is the housing need to to figure out all of these, where are we going to put all these people when they come? It's it's wonderful to to let the floodgates open and let people in. We welcome them. That's what Canada is all about. We're welcoming. We're family friendly values. Please come to Canada. We're a safe harbor in the world. But at the same time, we're not talking to the local level and we're not opening up, um, you know, densification rules and we're not opening up uh, available land to develop and things like that. But but there are some municipal areas and there are some jurisdictions and I know in the area that I'm investing in which is Edmonton Alberta so for most of your listeners if you're if you're from the states think think um, Texas north if you will and um, and they have some wonderful um, bylaws and wonderful process and wonderful zoning to be able to open up um, supply like for example we're just buying a whole bunch of zoned lots infill properties where there's a big giant one house on a big giant lot and it's now zoned that we can actually put eight six to eight units on it and the process to get that done as long as you have the zoning and then you have the design and you walk into the city hall with the building plans and all this kind of stuff and if it passes all their their prescribed um, checkpoints honest to goodness we can have a backhoe out there in in two weeks digging a hole and knocking down a house to start building six to eight units. And, and we can have it built in nine, 10 months at the, at the latest. So this is what in many cities is called the missing middle. You see the large developers doing larger projects in the hundreds of units. There's the single family homes. There's the small builders that are, you know, the two guys in a pickup truck that are building the odd infill lot here and there. But it's been very difficult historically, especially with impact fees, development charges, site plan control, uh, all of these other pieces of bureaucracy uh, and bureaucracy and cost for developers to intensify areas. And it's really the lowest cost way to add supply because you're reusing existing infrastructure. You're not building new roads and subdivisions in order to get that density. Yeah, well, that's like this. the city that I do is they they understood. So they have a 20-year a plan, a 20-year vision, and they've identified they're going to add another million more people to their city, and there's only like a million and change right now. So in 20 years, they're going to double. And they're sitting there going, we've gone as far out as we want to go. You know, the further out we have to go, we have to build new roads, new sewers, and garbage trucks have to go further. We have new transit. We have to, It's going to be expensive. So why not we just relax some of our inner city rules, which has lots of, like, big lots, underutilized land, make it... Um, approachable for small tier builders to come in to densify and uh, people will love that. So it's really good for, for, you know, everybody's, you know, talking about environment. If you actually can have more housing on a smaller footprint of land, that's actually more efficient. It's also better for a a city because they can charge more tax base without actually having to spend on infrastructure. So it it, it makes sense. It, It really does. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things that we that's a headwind for new development, it, there's two. One, of course, is rising construction costs. And some developers that I speak with, especially here in Canada, have seen uh, construction costs significantly increase. I think it's come down quite a bit, especially in the stick-built wood frame arena. But through parts of 2022, some builders were reporting 60, 70% increases. Yep. I think it's it's much better than that today, but but still, that's a significant headwind. And then, of course, the other major headwind is the cost of capital. Yep. So those two combined, we've seen a lot of folks pause projects and put them on hold because the rents have not grown sufficiently to support the amortization of that investment and without risking that developer being upside down. Yep. What what are you seeing? Well, one hundred percent echo and agree. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go back to. <laughs> sorry, I'm not trying to be complaining or griping here, but but again, no different than Canada having all this land and having a, a shortage of housing supply. We have forestry. We have probably one of the best forestry things in there. We can we can produce lumber and we can reforest lumber and we can replant the lumber and we can replant that for for can for for Canadian builders to be held hostage to ridiculous pricing of lumber, um, something's got to give in that as well. So number one is there, there could be something that could easily be done for if you're a Canadian builder and you're building in Canada, you know, maybe there's a, a subsidy for you. Uh, you get a, a discount off of things or you get a special rate or grant or something, you know, that's on one. And then on the side for cost of capital, I 100% agree with that as well, if the cost of capital has been going up. But, you know, I'll give credit to where credit is due a little bit. Um, our wonderful CMHC, Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, is getting a little bit creative on a few things. The MLI Select program is, for example, where they're coming out and they're giving some favorable terms for people to build multi-residential, people to put uh, quote-unquote affordable housing, accessible housing, and they're, and also environmentally sound uh, building principles. So they're giving wonderful things, you know, 50-year amortizations, 90% loan-to-values. Um, so they're doing some wonderful things like that. And for small-tier builders, which is what we're doing of late, it's been uh, it's been so far so good. I'm not gonna knock. I'm gonna knock on something resembling wood. Is that it's been a, a very good um, program? Is to do is to give incentives to people that are taking the risk to build housing stock, affordable housing stock to house all the people coming in. I think there should be some um, incentives for people like that. Yeah, absolutely. So. In a rising tide, rising tide lifts all boats. How do you choose where to build? Because at the end of the day, real estate is still hyper-local, still location-dependent. Yep. And yes, there there is a supply-demand imbalance, but you still want to be judicious. You still want to make sure that you're making you're placing the right bets yep. in the right locations. How are you... Talk a little bit about market yep. selection, in particular sub-market selection. Well, so so for me... And, and I'm going to specifically talk about residential properties at the moment. There's lots of different ways, but but it all hold. It, in my opinion, it, it holds together as well. I believe it all comes down to it's. It really comes down to people. It comes down to the movement of people. If you have areas where 
it's friendly for people to move in and the people that are moving in are working and the people that are moving in is affordable and the people that are moving in are contributing and are productive to to everything and you have a plan where the people keep moving in that's my first criteria is what are the population numbers so i take a look at population like and i'll just give you an example um the province that I, I I look at within Canada, it's forecasted in the next 20 years to move from the third most populous province to the second most populous province. And they're going to add 3 million. And, and I've even seen forecasts up to four and a half. They're planning to double its population in in the in a period of 15 to 20 years. So that's check, check, check. And then the next thing I look at is, you know, are the people that are moving in, what's the employment rates? Are they earning good money? What's the affordability? And the people that are moving in, it, it's extremely affordable. Like in that province, um, somebody can rent a three-bedroom apartment for $500 less than a one-bedroom apartment in Toronto, right? And so it's affordable. So you get more, your money goes further. There's uh, taxes are very um, uh, advantageous and they're open for business, right? Now there's no secret for your listeners, if you're listening in, in the States, there's no secret why why Florida and why Texas and why Utah's that have very favorable um, policies that people are moving in and it, it reflects into the real estate. So, so to me, it all starts with the people. If people are moving in, then there will be a need for housing. And then I get down a little bit deeper is the people that are there. Are they working? Are they contributing? And then I get into the numbers from that. But it all starts with people. Love it. Well, Russ, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Well, the simplest answer to that is if you just Google my name, russellwestcott.com, that, that takes you to my hub of my website and everything's there. And I'm having an awful lot of fun doing uh, podcasting and YouTubing and all that kind of wonderful stuff. And and uh, we're just, I'm just giving back. I'm giving back to a community of real estate investors that has just given me so much. And I was once told that if you have been blessed you need to be a blessing to others. So majority of my day, Victor, is honestly is helping pay back to an industry that has paid me so much that I want to pay back into the next generation of Russells and Victors that are just coming in that are looking for some guidance and some leadership and maybe looking for, you know, some hard lessons that we learned way back in the day and maybe maybe not have those lessons be as painful uh, for the next generation of real estate investors coming on board. Love it. Well, Russ, great catching up with you. Love the perspective. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Russell Westcott at russellwestcott.com. The link will be in the show notes. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. I sure hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we jump back to the conclusion, our strategic partners from Streetwise Mortgages are here with another important mortgaging tip. All right, take it away, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages, and in today's episode, I will continue to share with you how financing for residential properties that are one to four units is different from financing for multifamily properties that are five plus units. 
In the last episode, I shared differences such as how lenders approve the mortgages, the lending ratios, the differences in down payment, as well as in net worth requirements. In this episode, I will go over the differences in amortization, financing costs, and approval timelines. Starting with amortization. The maximum amortization on a residential property is 30 years. With multifamily properties, you can get up to 25 years for a conventional mortgage and up to 40 years for a CMHC-insured mortgage. Assuming that the remaining economic life of the property exceeds the amortization by at least five years. This means that CMHC will not extend a 40 years amortization on a property that won't live beyond the life of the mortgage. As for the financing costs, there are various things that you need to take into consideration. These include appraisal, legal, environmental assessment and building condition reports, lender and broker fees, lenders annual review fees, as well as CMHC's fees. Appraisals are more expensive compared to those for one to four units, up to five times the cost and sometimes higher if the property is located in a rural area. Legal fees are also more expensive as you cover not only your lawyer's fee, but the lender's legal fees. I suggest that you plan for $3,500, but again, this figure may differ depending on the size of the building where more legal work is needed. If you are applying for a CMHC-insured mortgage, CMHC will also charge $150 per door to review the file for approval. For example, on a five units, that would be $750. Depending on the size of the loan for a multifamily property and its proximity to things that may expose it to environmental contamination, such as gas stations, laundry facilities, or even oil tanks, some lenders will require an environmental assessment level one and or a building condition report, each of which costs about $3,000. Many lenders also charge an annual review fee that ranges from $250 to $2,500 this, of course, does not exist in the residential world. The last difference in, is, is in the timelines. Everything takes much, much longer, uh, from approvals to appraisals to closings. With residential mortgages, you often get a mortgage in five business days. An appraisal can also be done within a narrow window, as well as rush closings in two weeks. In the multifamily space, things are different. Appraisals take three to four weeks, Approvals only are issued once all of the documents are sent to the lender uh, in addition to the appraisal. And an approval takes about three to four weeks to be issued. If you are with CMHC, that can go up to eight weeks. And on top of that, closings would take three to four weeks. It is important for you to account for these timelines in your offer. If you are looking to get into multifamily properties, and are looking for guidance, or if you're currently investing in multifamily and are looking for sophisticated financing strategies to help you scale, such as funding for renovations or higher loan-to-values on buildings, our team at Streetwise Mortgages would be happy to assist. To discuss a deal or to book a planning session, email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Cheers to your success. Well, hey, everybody, special treat today. I have one of the most famous real estate investors in Canada joining me for a real estate chat today. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Russell Westcott. He didn't get the name JV Jedi from nowhere. This guy has been part of the real estate 
conversation in Canada for longer than I've been an investor. I, Russ, I don't know if you know this, but I the very first Rain Quick Start I was at, I got treated to you doing your joint venture presentation on stage where you you did the tennis racket analogy back and forth. And I thought, okay, I this I like this guy. And here we are all these years later, just still talking about what we both love, which is real estate investing. And you know, Russ, uh, Russ and I were riffing before I started recording here off of the fact that it's half a million people moving to Canada. That's a lot. And that's something worth talking about. So Russ, thank you so much for joining me on uh, on a real estate chat today. How's how's it going over there? Well, uh, James, first and foremost, yes, we do go back a long way, but only one of the two of us still have actually better looking ahead of hair than what we did when we first met. So look at that quaff there. It's like, honest to goodness, James, every time I, I see you, I'm, I'm you know, it's like, it, it's just, you know, more, more. It's got more, more quaff. It's got uh, you got some good product going there too. You're, 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 you're obviously doing something right. You're living well, my friend. Oh well, thanks so much, buddy. Yeah, if anybody wants a referral to the hair wax that I use, slide into my DMs because I, I love this stuff. It makes my, makes my hair happy. I, I actually, I want the opposite. How do I take the shine out? Not put. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, James, it warms my heart to see you, my friend. And and before we do dive into the deep end of the pool here, congratulations on your on your upcoming uh, engagement and upcoming wedding there, my friend. Thank you so much. Yeah, you've been looking on social media. Yeah, yeah. For any of you guys listening in, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see our oh so cute engagement photo shoot. So I, I popped the question on New Year's Eve and yep. I got the yes and we're uh, we're in freshly engaged bliss right now. Yeah. So been walking on sunshine for yeah, a little while of, here. One of Canada's most eligible bachelors in the real estate investment space is now off the market, everybody. So, so. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> I found the one. What can I say? Yeah. You, you subscribe to the same plan I do. And that's, uh, you know, engage and marry somebody significantly that I'm not worthy of, by the way. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, she is such an impressive woman. I uh, when I, when we went on our first date, I remember heading home and I was like, I I really hope I don't screw this up because I think I've got a catch here. Yep. Nice. Well, well done. Well, you obviously you obviously done something well. So congratulations. And yeah, thanks so much, Russ. Topic du jour, my friend. Um, population. Like we could go. Let's put it this way. We could go so many different directions here. We can go interest rates. We can go bank in the U.S. failures. We can go a whole bunch of different directions. But I, I'm a firm believer in the following. I'm a firm believer in the more problems you solve. And the bigger the problem you solve, the greater the opportunity you can create. So as real estate investors, we're problem solvers. As real estate entrepreneurs, we want to solve problems. And one of the biggest problems you will find in Canada, and we can drill down as deep as we want to go, is there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people going to be coming into Canada through immigration policies. And we can sit here and argue if that's right or wrong. I, I believe it's right. Like we're Canada. Canada is a safe harbor. We want to, we welcome people into this country. Let's welcome as many people as possible. Cause quite honestly, people should come to Canada to have wonderful opportunities. We have a lot of the things going for, for us here, but here's the problem. The problem is, our immigration policy is not matching up with our housing supply uh, initiatives. So there's a huge, huge gap. There's a huge gap for the amount of people moving in versus the amount of affordable housing for people to have. And in a wonderful country like Canada, with the second largest landmass in the world, for Canada to have a housing shortage is actually nothing short of criminal, in my, in my, in my, my opinion. So... 
as real estate entrepreneurs that we are, and I would call many of your listeners would be similar to mine. We would, I would call us like the mid tier type of thing, like the the middle. Yeah. Like we're not the the mel cores and the lead cores and the big giant developers, and and a lot of them aren't you know onesies and twosies. We're we're now into that what we would call mid tier investments. So I think there's an incredible opportunity for real estate investors to create affordable good, safe housing stock to be able to house all these people moving to Canada. And then also once they move to Canada, if you actually do some study on population trends and affordability trends and housing trends, where are the people once they land, they typically land Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, but then they quickly find out they can't afford to live in Vancouver, Toronto and Montreal. And then where do they move? They move to our neck of the woods that we're very familiar with and that's in Alberta. And we're seeing that, you know, for example, let's take Calgary for an example. Calgary, I think the last number I saw, Calgary added 52,000 people in the last 12 months to it. Now, to put it in perspective, for those of you in British Columbia, 52,000 is like the city of Vernon. So Calgary added the city of Vernon. Or if you're out in Eastern Canada, Vernon means nothing to you. Think Aurelia or Peterborough. It, it, it yeah. added the city of Aurelia to the city of Calgary in 12 months. So what do you think is going to happen to the inventory of housing? So problem solving, here's the problem. People moving in, not enough housing inventory. So James, we're going to do our darndest to help solve that problem, aren't we? And we're going to provide good housing inventory for people that want to live in Canada. That's right. And you know, so many of what we, what you're calling the mid-tier investors, you're right. Like a lot of these people are listening. And they're like, well, there's an opportunity here. I invest in real estate. So the, it begs the question, like, what are we seeing as opportunities for us as investors to provide housing for our uh, new friends in Canada? Yep. And, and as, as we said, is if you can solve the problem, you can have a great opportunity. Now, don't get me wrong. It comes with risk, right? There's a, there's a risk of doing this kind of stuff too. But sometimes when you take a bigger risk, sometimes you have a bigger opportunity and a bigger reward. And I want to be part of that wave. I don't want to be one of those people and say, stop immigration, stop immigration policy, stop this, stop that. You know, let's welcome it. But if we're going to welcome it, let's at least give some thought process on the other side of where's everybody going to live. Because even, even for example, I'll give you another one. That's just immigration. And that's what people coming in. I believe there's our numbers of people that aren't even being reported out there. And that's the, um, what I would call the people living, people that want to buy, but that are living in mom and dad's basement. Like for example, mm-hmm. Toronto, GTA area, or Vancouver, there's probably hundreds of thousands of people that want to buy something, but they can't afford to move out. They just can't afford right. to, to buy the place. So just imagine if they had something affordable. And, and when I mean affordable, six hundred to $800,000 for an entry-level townhome is not affordable. That's not affordable for a first-time yeah. home buyer. Um, even if they had $100,000 in, in the bank and let's say it was 700000 and they had to have a $600,000 mortgage, how are people able to afford a $600,000 mortgage like that? Like you, you're going to have to do something like double up with your friends or buy it with a partner, co-joint venture with mom and dad. Um, and, and it's a struggle, but it shouldn't have to be. It shouldn't have to be a struggle. Like, And that's what 
you and I are looking to do out in, for example, in Edmonton, where we're looking to take infill housing, where there's one house yeah. on a big lot, take that one house and turn it into six or eight units. And each of those six to eight units would be very affordable rent, anywhere between, say, $1,200 to $2,000 to rent. Or if somebody wanted to buy it, they could literally buy it for under $250,000, like per, per side, like yeah. per unit type of thing. So make it affordable, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean... The the cool thing is, you know, from the top down, the Canadian government wants to see more affordable housing, which is why CMHC has put out this MLI select program. Yep. And, you know, people, large institutions are taking advantage of it and using it to build high rises. But that's not, I mean, we're not building high rises here. We're, we're building mid-range, mid-market, affordable properties for people. And so, you know, Russ, what, what are you seeing? And, you know, even strategically, what are you doing and which markets are you playing in yep. to build the kind of housing that we're talking about. Now, I, I 100% love what CMHC and the Canadian government is doing from making the capital more affordable for the mid-tier people to to build and encouraging it. I, I strongly encourage, I, I think that's fantastic. But I don't think they're going far enough. I honestly think that they, there's a whole avenue they could go down the road of, of at offering subsidies or offering discounts if you use Canadian lumber, if you use Canadian materials. Mm. Like I was on a, on a Facebook group the yeah. other day and there was this group of people that were building things and they're talking about, let's get enough of us together and let's put a container together and bring in windows and siding and all this stuff from China and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going, well, why not hire people? Why not get it from locally? And they go, well, we can't. It's just way too expensive. We can't get our windows and our siding and our, our lumber. Think about that. Lumber in Canada is so expensive. Yeah. And we produce the stuff here, to be honest. Yeah. Right? I mean, it comes from our backyard. It, you know, like it's not a long way to ship that product. Yeah. So so I think CMHC is doing a wonderful job with the financing, especially if you make it accessible, if you make it affordable, and if you make it with environmentally, you know, um, materials. They're doing a wonderful job by giving you credits, extending amortizations, locking in interest rates for a period of time and stuff like that. They're doing wonderful. Now, just imagine if they took it the other step and say, if you bought Canadian materials and used Canadian um, Canadian labor and used all this kind of stuff, here's further grants and stuff for wow, you as yeah. well to actually help us lower the cost of the build. And an entrepreneur and a real estate investor still needs to make their margins. They still need to make the money. Like they have to make a profit. If they don't make the profit, why would they want to take the risk to do this? Right? It's not worth the time and effort. Yeah. So if they low, if we have an opportunity to lower our input costs, I can guarantee we can pass that along. And, you know, I know we're out, both of us are out in Vancouver right now. Um, a piece of dirt, like we're talking a 4,900 square foot piece of dirt out in the burbs, out in Coquitlam, where I am right now, with just to buy the land and fees and taxes and all that kind of stuff to be able to build on yeah. it, you're into it for a million dollars. One million, a million bucks before you even dig a hole in the ground. And then once you start- That's a tough starting place. And then once you start putting permits in place, like you're upward, you're a couple hundred thousand dollars in, in fees and government fees and everybody has their hand out, right? Um, 
I am going to answer your question. So, so we're, we're investing in Edmonton and we're picking up, you know, 7,500 square foot infoil lots for in that 300 to 350 range. Yeah. And we're able to, with less than like $30,000 of soft costs, you know, 30 to 50 at the absolute most, if you have to change zonings and all that kind of stuff. But if you have the right zoning and you have the right builder and you go make an application to the, to the city and you have a, a redevelopment plan and you, increased density. Um, one of our builders, literally the last one they did, uh, what were they? They were two weeks, 10, 10 days to two weeks from first approval or first presentation to the planning department to stamps to backhoe out in the place, knocking yeah. down a, a house and, and digging a hole to start building. And you literally, we can take that one house and put up six to eight units, and we could have it done in nine to 11 months at the most. Yeah. Depending when we yeah. dig and if it's not frozen or not out. <laughs> yeah, of course. But yeah, I mean, and just in time to provide some great housing for a lot of these new people coming to town. Yep. Well, and in Edmonton, let's just, you know, we both know that market very well. Um, they're forecasted at a million people, like 1 million people in the next, tw in the next 20 years. Um, and they've also made a mandate as they don't want the footprint to sprawl out anymore. So yeah. what's where where are they going to go? They're going to have to densify in, and they're going to have to go up at the same time. Yeah, so there's the, we're already watching it happen. The more density coming into the core of the city, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm actually, I mean, I'm building a sixplex on a an old lot in a central neighborhood myself. You know, it's a it's a project that a lot of people that's a lot more accessible than people think. I mean, for the price of a condo in downtown Vancouver, you can literally develop and build a sixplex in Edmonton. Yeah. And that sixplex is going to have six rental units that spreads your risk around. And you know, they're, they're great properties. So yep. uh, Russ, I'm going to tag you in the description of this video so people can slide on into your DMs if they want to talk more about this type of project. And, Ooh, be careful. Um, yeah, yeah, you might, you might have, you might, your inbox might blow up. So, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody, make sure you say hi to Russ. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time to just shoot the breeze with me about what's what you're doing in Edmonton and compare some notes about what we're seeing out there in the market. So, yep, solve thanks problems, for popping guys. by, Russ. Solve and we'll, problems. We'll, we'll talk real estate again soon. So, what did you think, everybody? Are you excited about, you know, becoming a small, uh, you know, a small developer, uh, mid-size, mid-tier developer, taking, you know, adding housing inventory, for lack of a better term, adding houses, adding rental stock. So if you are interested in taking that next step and you just don't know where to turn or where to, where to go, let me know. I'd love to help you out. Um, I'm going full full bore. I'm diving in both feet and we're going a guns a blazing. So we're getting, it's probably some of the most aggressive I've been in the last 20 years of adding some properties and analyzing properties and looking at properties. So if you'd like to be on a train going fast, if you'd like to be part of um, adding some inventory and solving the housing challenges that we're finding in Canada, let me know. Um, I'd love to be able to have a conversation with you. If there's a fit, we'd love to be able to collaborate, maybe work together on something. If not, no problem. Uh, that's good. I, I encourage you, wherever you are, whatever market you're doing, to figure out how you can solve the problem. The bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity that you can do. And are you adding inventory? Are you solving the, the, the challenge out there of 
way too many people, not enough housing, way too many people, not enough rental properties. Are you solving that on a day-to-day basis? Because the more you solve that problem, the bigger the opportunity you will have in front of you. Okay, gang? So long-winded way of saying, if you're interested in collaborating, partnering up, um, looking at a deal together, something like that, I'd be honored to have that conversation. So in the show notes below, wherever you're listening to this podcast, hit me up, let me know if you're interested, and then we'll take it the next step. All right, gang, remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.